What is the FASPE, F-A-S-P-E? Why join the military right after starting medical school? What would it be like to graduate and be promoted from a second lieutenant to an Air Force captain? How does one experience traveling to several countries as a medical student? Today on Talking Missions and Med Student Life, I interview Susan, a successful OBGYN match student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Okay, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. I've got a returning guest, Susan. You're back. <laughs> I'm back. All right, fantastic. You're a fourth year now. I am. All right, so let's let's break it down. What field did you end up choosing? So I'm going into OBGYN. Okay. Which is funny. It's what I always thought I would do. Yeah. So how did that play out? I mean, well, I mean, where did you like third year? Were you nervous about this since you liked it so much? I mean, what was your strategy during third year? And honestly, I think I took the advice that most people gave me. I think it was very wise um, just to keep an open mind to go into every rotation as if that was the specialty you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I think with every rotation, I did have that, that thought that Oh, maybe this is it. Oh, I could see myself doing this. Oh, this is really cool. Or this is really interesting. But then I'd also encounter things that I would think, mm, I really don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Um, another really good piece of advice that I got was actually from one of the surgeons that was speaking before we started third year. And he said, make sure that you do something that when they call you at three in the morning to come in and do it, you're still going to want to do it. You're not resentful. You're not resentful. Mm -hmm. of, and I think anyone's a little resentful at three in the morning, if we're being honest. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I realized there were a lot of things I liked, but it was the things that I did in OBGYN that if they called me at three in the morning, I'd still be excited mm -hmm. that they were happening. I'd still want to come into the hospital. It wasn't an obligation. It was something I really wanted to stay for and do. So I've talked to other students who've been leaning toward a certain field. And they felt there was kind of pressure leading up to that rotation because you want to do well, yeah. you want to impress people, absolutely. You know, because you might need a letter of recommendation from some of these people. So, um, did you find that was true for you? Or? Yeah, okay. I think there was a lot more pressure going into OBGYN. It was what got me interested in medicine, and it's an intimidating field. I mean, it's very busy, very high stress. Everyone who's working in that field is very busy, mm -hmm. and so as a medical student, it's just so challenging. Um, it's challenging in any rotation, but especially surgical rotations, it's challenging to feel like you're doing a good job mm -hmm. and that you're present and that you're seen. And anyways, I think that that pressure was alleviated when I got to a point that I realized how much I loved the work. Mm. That if I just went into being a med student every day, loving what I was doing and enjoying those things, I think that came through. And you stopped worrying so much about what other people were looking at and what other people were seeing because they could just see it naturally. That when you were enjoying your life as a student in this field, um, it was something you were passionate about. And I was also really, really grateful and blessed that um, coming back as the sub-I, our OBGYN department here knew that we didn't have a lot of exposure to attending physicians on our third-year rotations. Mm -hmm. So they really made sure that we worked one-on-one -on -one with people, that we had were able to develop relationships that could help us get letters of recommendation. And so it all ended up working out in the long run, despite mm -hmm. all the stress. <laughs> So what was more enticing, the OB or the surgery part or both? Equally? It was both. Okay. And honestly, I thought about surgery for a while. I love doing things with my hands, procedural types of medicine. I mean, it was funny because I remember shadowing an outpatient doctor in undergrad and really questioning whether or not I wanted to do medicine. I just didn't enjoy it. It wasn't something that was really fulfilling for me, even though it's a very fulfilling and wonderful profession. And then I did an internship with some cardiothoracic surgeons. I was like, oh, man, okay, mm -hmm. I can do medicine. Like, this is incredible. I could do this 24 hours a day. And sometimes you do in mm -hmm. surgical fields. 
Um, but then when I was on my general surgery rotation, it was kind of that realization that if they called me at three in the morning for a cholecystectomy, I knew I'd get to a point where I'd be a little bitter about that. that. No, that's not your cup of tea. Yeah, no, but yeah, you yeah. call me at three in the morning for, you know, a female patient that I've been following for years who I know personally and they need, a, you know, some kind of surgical intervention, issue, yeah. intervention. Yeah. Or if you call me to deliver someone's baby or do an emergency C-section, like I was there in a heartbeat. It was just awesome. It was just where I was, and so it was the combination of things I think that really made it fit. So, did you put OBGYN in the middle of your third year? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. I did it. Um, I think it spanned winter break actually. Mm. So it was the end of December. So three the, weeks. The beginning of January. Break, three ba- come back for three weeks. Okay, good, good. Yep. All right. So then fourth year starts. You know, you're doing OBGYN. What was your strategy as far as away rotations? Oh my <laughs> how, how did you craft your fourth year schedule? So a fourth year was a grand adventure. Let's hear. Let's um, talk about that. Yeah. So it started. I ended third year, and I had applied for this really cool ethics fellowship that I'd found online, just as kind of a long shot, thinking like this sounds perfect for me, but at the same time, this looks really competitive. I don't know that I'd ever get accepted to it, and I got accepted. And so it was an ethics fellowship in Germany and Poland at the end of June. Mm. So I finished third year at the end of April, and then I knew like timeline wise, or no, it was the end of May, and then with timeline, I only had two weeks to study for step two. So fortunately, I had my internal medicine rotation last in third year. So I used that to really study for step two and then took two weeks to kind of study all the other rotations. And then I st- took step two and got on a plane that day. Awesome. And then went to Germany and Poland, did this ethics fellowship. How long were you there for? Uh, two weeks. Two weeks? And okay. it was absolutely incredible. So are you in classes or is it, yeah, is it seminars so or what was this? It's lectures and seminars with medical students. And then we were also traveling with seminary students from all over the U.S., all over the world, in fact. Um, and discussing ethical dilemmas, both historical and modern, but in the context of the perpetrators of the Holocaust. So mm. a lot of the Nazi physicians, because a lot of these people were, you know, professionals just like we are. They were trained in similar circumstances. Dr. Mengele. Exactly. And yeah. how do you get to a point where you're willing to breach that moral ethic mm. of your profession? So um, lots of lectures, historical and ethical. And then we also went and actually sat in the places, visited the sites where a lot of these things happened and kind of gave it a lot of context. And the fellowship itself continues onward. Like we had a writing assignment that we had to do and then we do symposia and then we have reunions every year and we continue to keep in contact with mm-hmm. people from this fellowship. What was it called? It was called FASBI Fellowships. Uh, what is it? Like Fellowships at Auschwitz for the Study of Professional Ethics is the, is the full mnemonic. Is it just for medical students or for so different disciplines? That's yeah. what's fantastic is it's medical students, law students, seminary students, business students, and uh, journalism students. So the reunions have all of these disciplines, but when you actually travel on site in country for the Germany and Poland aspect of it, the medical students travel with the seminary students. Interesting. Which is fascinating. We had some really, really interesting discussions because um, it's people from all different denominations and faiths. Yeah. So we say seminary students. It's kind of a broad term. Yeah. Big umbrella. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I did that at the beginning of fourth year. And then, was it in English or? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. It was. In, I know you speak other languages. I do. Okay. A couple. But um, no, it wasn't English. And there was actually another... There was a Polish girl in our group, and we'd sit and chat, and it would bug everybody else because we had our own little secret language. Awesome. But it was great. And then I actually flew straight to Texas after that. I had a an away rotation that was required by the military. Mm-hmm. It's in the Air Force. Um, We're going to talk about that too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I did, and it was an OBGYN rotation, and they call them audition rotations for their residency programs um, just to see if you're a good fit. It was just mandated. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so I spent a month in San Antonio melting my face off. Uh It was so hot. 
and especially in a military uniform. But um, it was a really great experience. And then I came back and did my sub-I here in Utah. Mm -hmm. And again, that was incredible. The program here is just phenomenal. Um, I think if I hadn't been in Utah for so long, kind of wanting to try something new, Utah would have, well, I don't know how highly they would have ranked me, but I would have ranked them Mm -hmm. (laughs) definitely very, very highly. And I did ultimately. But um, yeah, incredible experience with my sub-I here in Utah. And then I went for another audition rotation at Walter Reed in Washington, D.C. And I did that for a month, which is fun. I got to, there was a student from my class, um, Ira Kraft, who was doing research at the NIH, mm-hmm. which Ira, is yeah. literally across the street from Walter Reed. So I got to see him a lot and it was incredible. It was this so much a, fun. This is a fascinating fourth year. Yeah, yeah, it was like, I, I wasn't kidding when I said it was a grand adventure. Yeah. But then I came back and started the more traditional fourth year rotations. I did a, an emergency medicine sub and then I went and did interviews for a couple of months, just traveling all over. And then I did um, advanced internal medicine. I did a global health rotation in Nepal, which is something I've actually been involved with throughout medical school. So it was fun to go back and follow We're up. We're going to talk about that too. Follow Susan, up on projects. You, in Nepal. you do so much fun stuff. <laughs> I but. have a very fun life. Okay. Um, and then I am just finishing my last ro- clinical rotation, which was an ICU rotation. So let's break this down. So let's talk about the military. Okay. Why military? Why Air Force? So uh, military, I had never even thought about it. I don't have family in the military. It wasn't something I had personal experience with. Um, But I had several friends from BYU who had gone that route while I was gone on my mission. And so they were were a few years ahead of me. And um, so I didn't end up getting in-state tuition here. As you all know, it was kind of a debacle. And we tried to appeal it because I'd been living in Utah for so long. But there were were some loopholes. Um, That's outside my purview. Well, and it's outside lots of people's purviews, apparently, because I talked to a lot of people. But, you know, it's funny, though, because I never would have looked at the military had I not had that situation, because I could have just kind of broken it down and gone and tried to pay off the debt, which is significant for out-of-state students. It's twice as much as in-state here. Mm -hmm. And um, I just started looking at options, and it started out as a joke. I looked at my roommate, and I just looked at her. I was like, I am so close to joining the military. And she just laughed. But I was like, you know, that's the one thing I haven't looked at. Mm -hmm. And so I called up a couple of my buddies who did it. And they're like, honestly, it sounds kind of perfect for you because I love to travel. Um, I love to work in situations that might require a little extra maneuvering. So I, w- I would like to ultimately, as an OBGYN, work both locally and internationally with undershift populations trying to rebuild mm-hmm. um, health systems with a focus on women's health. So that's something that's missed a lot when we try to re- rebuild our health systems. And in the military, they actually have an international health specialist program that's specifically designed for that and more torn nations. Interesting. So that one was an option within the military, which I thought was absolutely incredible. But even if I never got the opportunity to work in the international health specialist community, um, you'd still get a lot of experience kind of traveling all over, working with lots of different people, um, opportunities to learn languages. They pay for medical school, which, of course, is very nice. Yeah. Um, and then... I felt like after I finished that service, I could either stay in the military or I could leave and have no debt. And so I could have options. Mm. If I wanted to work with underserved populations, I wouldn't have to be worried about making my monthly payments for my student loans. And to me, that was worth it. It just, I think it's not right for everyone, but for me, it was worth it. So why Air Force? The Air Force, the Navy, the Army, you know, they all gave their, gave their fair pitch. Um, So so you did a kind of audition with them. Yeah, I did. Every, every branch of the military. I mean, I looked into the National Health Service Corps as Mm -hmm. well, you know, working on Navajo reservations, various things like that. Um, But the Air Force, 
I had a lot of friends who were in the Air Force. I also got a hold of uh, my roommate who I'd moved in with here in Salt Lake. Her dad happened to be an Air Force physician. Mm. And um, your deployments are shorter, which just gives you a lot more flexibility. It's a smaller branch. And so you have a lot more autonomy. Mm. Um, And some of the other branches, sometimes that autonomy is a little bit taken away because they put you where they need you. Um, which in the Air Force, even though that's still the case because it is the military, you have a little more say in where you go and what you do. It's like a base somewhere. Yeah. Instead of in the jungle yeah, or on and, a submarine. Which is, well, <laughs> and I might honestly volunteer to be in the jungle, but the... Um, God bless you, Susan, <laughs> for volunteering to be in the jungle. Yeah. But um, with the Air Force, especially you look at residency training, and that's a perfect example mm-hmm. of how much more flexible it is. In the Army and the Navy, you don't even have the option really to apply for civilian deferred. You can put it on your list, but there's just no positions for it. But the Army is such a small branch that they don't have enough of their own military residency positions to fill all the OBGYNs that they need. Is it, you mean Air Force or Army? Air Force. Oh, Air Force, okay. So about half of us will train civilian. Mm-hmm. And just that, that flexibility, I think, going into it was important to me. Yeah. Are there OBGYN residencies within the Air Force? Yep. Or? Yep. San but there's Antonio? only, yep, San okay. Antonio has six spots. Okay. Um, but I think only three of them are Air Force, so very small. Okay. And then um, it's like three Army, three Air Force. In Walt, at Walter Reed, where I auditioned, there was only one position for an Air Force OBGYN, and then there's three Army and two Navy there. And then there's tons of other Army positions. Um, and then I think the only other two for the Air Force were in Dayton, Ohio, and Portsmouth, Virginia. So the, just a few options. So in a way, they encourage you to do a civilian residency. In some respects, I think, because those those positions are very, very competitive for people that are from those areas or people who have connections in those areas. And so if you're not from those areas or have connections in those areas it's a lot harder to get into him. So they're like, eh, if you'd like to go somewhere else, and do they try to influence you in any way, what field, or is it totally up to you what you want to do? Um, you know, I think with the military in general, if you want to go into a sub sub specialty of any kind of medicine, it's not the right path. It's mm-hmm. very difficult to do those things because sometimes they do put you where they need you mm-hmm. something a little more general, like OBGYN They kind of just need a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a different story, but there are people I know that didn't match into OBGYN during this round of the military match. They have to go to another field. Mm -hmm. And so that does happen. Um, And so it's not that it's coerced necessarily, but it's something you have to weigh in when you join the military that they might end up putting you in a field where they need more people. Mm. And And what's your rank? So I am currently a second lieutenant, but um, when I graduate, I'll jump straight from second lieutenant to captain, which... I'm sure makes my friends who go to the academy very bitter because they go four years just to be a second lieutenant and I just signed a paper and they gave me the rank. Um, it's more for uh, pay issues and also with the education level that yeah. you have. But yeah, and so it's the same thing that you actually skip first lieutenant when you graduate from medical school and because it's a graduate degree, you go straight to captain. So did you have to do basic training? I did. Okay. I did commissioned officer training. So it's a little bit... Well, let me, how should I say this? It's not as hardcore. It's not as hardcore. It's pretty hardcore, but it's not as hardcore um, because it's the medical, clergy, lawyers, PhDs, kind of everyone with higher education doing their own basic training. Okay. But it's so most, a drill sergeant isn't up your face screaming at you. Oh, they did that. Okay. Oh, that was there for okay. sure. It's okay. just not as long. Okay. Honestly, it's the same drill. It's the same screaming. It's the same, you know, like waking up with people banging on your door at four in the morning. And, and where's, well, this where's this at? It's in Montgomery, Alabama. Okay. Another place I melted my face off. It was so <laughs> hot. I just, I just can't even. This express is a preview for listeners of the pod. Susan did not wind up at a southern <laughs> residency program. Yeah, if you saw my <laughs> ring clothes, yeah, there's a very strategic. <laughs> yes, your Nordic ancestors uh, would be very proud. Yes, of what happened. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. So um, let's talk about Nepal. Okay. Yeah. So um, how long you been doing it and what you've been doing? And Yeah. So I always knew that I wanted to work abroad and with multicultural populations. I love to learn languages and learn about other cultures. And that's just a part of me. And then it translates very well into medicine because mm-hmm. there's work all over the world for medical personnel. And um, so I was looking for opportunities abroad when I first got here. I found a few, but I ended up getting a hold of Bernhard Fossil, who works over at Primary Children's Hospital, and he works a lot with maternal and child health. And he had some projects going in India, and one of the girls from my class was planning on going. And the other reason I chose his projects was because they didn't have a set time period that you had to go. Mm. And I had commissioned officer training for the Air Force after my first year of med school. And I couldn't go to Rwanda or some of the other projects that are more standardized in the curriculum. And so he said, oh, yeah, if you just want to go for a month, whenever you finish commissioned officer's training, go ahead. So I first went to India with Dr. Vossel and had an absolutely incredible experience there. Um, Just learned so much about global health and cultural sensitivity and a lot of um, ethical issues really came to the forefront of how I felt like I wanted to be involved in global health. And I really liked Dr. Vossel's approach in how he approaches global health. It's very much so like sustainable intervention and anyways, wonderful experience. So because I enjoyed that so much, I kept in contact with uh, Bernhard Fossil throughout my second year. And as third year came along, I had four weeks of an elective during third year. And it was kind of at a weird time when I couldn't do anything else. And so he ended up sending me to Nepal for that mm-hmm. month. Uh, working on these birthing center projects. By yourself? Or? Yeah, it's okay. just me. So I met up, though, with our on-the-ground like what a colleague, I guess I would call her. Uh, she runs an NGO. She's a Sherpa woman from a city called Lukla in rural Nepal. And she runs an NGO in partnership with Bernard Fossil to build these birthing centers in remote and difficult-to-reach parts of the country. And she sounds like this old, wizened woman when I describe her, but she's my age and loves to watch friends and the big bang theory. And anyways, we just totally hit it off. So mm. I wasn't really alone. I was okay. with Anji, my friend, um, the whole time I was there and had such a blast. So what was the project? Um, so we went and mostly did data collection to see where we wanted to establish these birthing centers. Mm. Cause a lot of the problem in Nepal, they have actually really wonderful government support for maternal and child health. But if you have a woman in a rural and remote village, which is most of Nepal, it's all up in the mountains, um, that woman going into labor is nine hours worth of walking from a hospital, from any higher level of care. And so, you know, it didn't matter how much care you provided for these hospitals. It was these um, difficult to reach areas that they were having a lot of maternal deaths and neonatal asphyxiation and Anyways, so we went and gathered data about where it would be most advantageous to build birthing centers, to train staff, to provide supplies. And um, so we were just doing baseline data collection, hiking through the jungle. There was lots of craziness, leeches, spiders. um, But at the same time, it was the most beautiful place I've ever been. And the people are just incredible. Came back from that experience, absolutely having loved it. And then another student from my class ended up taking the whole year off to go back and work on these same projects and actually mm. go and do the interventions. So Sarah Schoenhals from my class spent the year, her, my third year um, in Nepal. And so after she helped Anji with all these interventions, I got to go back this year and follow up. And do our- so the data you gathered helped lay the groundwork to mm-hmm. create this, pro- this system. Yep. So how did it feel to see that? It was fantastic. It was so exciting. 
Um, and again, like I love that approach to global health where you're doing something that's sustainable, that's culturally appropriate, that, you know, honestly, like we are going to be able to walk away from this and never have to touch it because it's being run by Nepali people who have received the skills, who have received the resources to do something that I think can really make a difference in this country. Um, so yeah, it was absolutely wonderful. And, and on top of it, Nepal is not a bad place to live. It's, um, I've been extremely blessed to have experiences there. I love it. Cool. Well, Susan, um, so you had to make your match list. Yes. Rank list. I'm sorry. Your rank list. Yes. Um, what was your thought process? Obviously I'm getting the sense that weather, uh, kind of factored <laughs> it into did. Okay. It really Climate, did. I guess, would be better um, <laughs> so like, how'd you, how'd you create that? What, 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 what kind of, so it's hard because when you're applying to these programs, they all start to sound the same online. I mean, they all have, you know, great training and great clinical, great People research like and patients. Exactly. And call um, rooms and our cafeteria. Exactly. <laughs> it all starts to feel the same. And so someone told me, you know, you really just have to apply broadly and go interview at a lot of different places mm-hmm. and then just see what fits. So how many, how many did you apply to? So I applied to 35, I think ultimately. Okay. And then I interviewed at 12. Um, did you have to cancel some interviews? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had to cancel a few and I think most people in our class did. Yeah. OBGYN was surprisingly popular. For yeah, your class. yeah. I don't know. Do you, do you have some insight into why that turned out to be or I think a big part of that is we have an amazing OBGYN department here okay. and so a lot of us had such good experiences on our rotations that I think that we really felt what an incredible incredible profession OBGYN was mm-hmm. and so and then I just think we had a, just happened to have a lot of people with similar and exciting interests to okay. be in mm-hmm. women's health but ultimately yeah so I applied broadly I interviewed broadly and what was really interesting is there were some places I interviewed that I thought like oh, this is such a dream. I can't believe I get to interview here. This is my like number one choice. And then I actually went and interviewed there and I just hated it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then I had other places that I was kind of thinking like, well, maybe I should cancel this one. Maybe I should go. And then I went and just loved the people and the program. So you just never know. And so I think that was important on the interview trail. I was one, reserving judgment until you actually go and have the experience. And then also just enjoying it. I got to travel all over the United States, meet incredible people. I had a lot of fun. Um, I got to see a lot of old friends. I mean, I mostly slept on friends' couches whenever mm-hmm. I went to places where other friends were going to medical school. And it was such a blast. And then with Northwestern, which was my number one choice. Go Wildcats. Woo! It was a very obvious choice for me personally. So, so why? What, what, what resonated with you? Um, so many things. So I actually met some residents from the OBGYN program at the ACOG, the OBGYN National Conference a few years ago. I had a scholarship to go during my second year of medical school. So I went to that and they had a residency fair and these girls from Northwestern were just so fun. Like I had such a blast talking to them, but everyone did. They were just great and really fun. But I loved the things they were saying about their program too. They said that, you know, it's a really big academic center. So you have incredible research and you can become a very like proficient academic physician if you want to be. But on top of that, you're getting really solid surgical and clinical training. You are not the back of the line when it comes to operating. You know, you don't have, they make sure that the residents are getting the same surgical training that a fellow is or that, you know, the same surgical volume that you would need to get really good 
surgical training, which I thought was very important to me. And then they also have a lot of outreach and um, work with underserved populations. They do part of their training at a county hospital, which is unique to many academic centers. Is that Cook County? Yeah. Famous Cook County? Yeah. Made famous by the movie Fugitive. (laughs) (laughs) Which apparently it's a pretty intense place to work. I mean, it's very high volume, low resources, Mm -hmm. lots of international populations. Happens to be a very large Polish speaking population. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a large Polish population. So, Kilbasa. Yeah. 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 And so everybody says that, you know, that's why I chose Northwest in which it definitely factored into it, but it wasn't the only reason. Um, so all those things really appealed to mm-hmm. me. I felt like I would come out of there being the doctor I wanted to be. And then on top of it, when I went to my interview day, the people were fantastic. I could sit and talk to every single one of them all day. And they were so diverse in so many ways, so diverse in their interests and their passions. And that was really facilitated. You didn't go there and it didn't feel like every OBGYN coming out of their program was the same OBGYN, mm-hmm. which for me was really important because I feel like a lot of my future plans and passions and hopes and dreams, all those things are kind of unique. And I was hoping to go somewhere where I could kind of foster some of those unique interests. And I felt like that was the place. So. Awesome. So um, match day, what was your ritual? Open up your envelope. Did oh you, my gosh. Did you do it by yourself? I was or, so nervous. Or, like, how does that, how did it go? How did it work for you? I was yeah. so nervous. And so my parents, all my immediate family lives up in Oregon and I was on an ICU rotation. So I was super busy and I was thinking at first like, oh, I'll just go and open it and then like go back and catch up on sleep and then go back to work the next day. It'll be no big deal. But I was getting so nervous that I actually called my parents and I was like, you know, you guys, I think I need some moral support. And so my mom was supposed to fly out and then my brother's wife went into labor with twins so she ended up in california and then my dad ended up flying out on the phone giving advice to the the team there they had lots of questions and i just kept having to reassure my family that does this sound like the right treatment plan exactly i'm telling them i'm like you know what the doctors and nurses they know what they're doing make sure they don't give you the tic tacs that's what i say make sure they give you the real medications the real stuff (laughs) no it was fun it was so fun. So the twins were actually born on match day. Mm. And um, so my dad flew down. And then my best friend from undergrad, who's been with me since the beginning of all this craziness, um, she came up with her kids, which was so fun. And then one of my mission companions came over too. So just a few people that I kind of called last minute and said, like, I need some support. I'm falling apart. And um, didn't sleep a lot the night before. And then I got there and I think part of the reason I was so nervous was because I had loved Northwestern so much and it had felt like such a perfect fit Mm -hmm. that even though I loved a lot of the programs on my rank list, I knew I'd be disappointed if it wasn't Northwestern. And so I was trying to convince myself that it's like, oh, but you liked this place and this would be great and this will be so wonderful. But I really wanted to go there. Mm -hmm. And so I get there and I just grabbed my envelope and opened it and... um. Oh, it was, it was like pure joy and incredible relief and so much excitement, just a lot of overwhelming emotion. And did your parents reach down and get that Northwestern sweatshirt and have you put it on because they, they just knew? <laughs> you know what? They still are shaking their head. They're like, we don't know why you were even nervous. <laughs> they always say that, but I'm afraid they have a lot more faith in my life's plans and skills and abilities than I do, but... They were very excited as well. So I assume the program contact you thereafter yes. officially welcomes you. Yeah. How, how big is it? How many uh, residents it's, for your... It's actually one of the biggest OBG in residency programs, which I really liked. It has 12 residents. Okay. So there's a lot. And um, it's been really fun because I've been in contact with some of the other incoming interns. And I mean, and also just seeing them on Facebook and some of the things they do. And they're such inspiring people. Like, I'm so excited to mm-hmm. get to work with them. Yeah. 
So, so awesome. Like Susan, this is awesome. This is amazing. All right. Last few minutes. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, we talked about this last time you were on the pod, which was a couple of years ago, but, uh, you know, advice to those out there Yeah. thinking about med school. I think ultimately it's kind of the same advice that we were given going into third year. Do something that if you have to be woken up at three in the morning to do it, you still want to be woken up. Okay. Something you're still excited and passionate about. Cause I think, I got a lot of advice in undergrad that medicine, you know, you're going to be so busy. You're going to be so tired. You're going to have a terrible social life, family life, all these things. And ultimately for me though, what I realized was what else would I be doing? What else would I be doing with my time that I would love more? And I couldn't think of anything. I love what I do and I still have a very robust social and family life. And, um, I think in part I'm able to enjoy my life so much because I enjoy everything I do. I'm not doing something that I'm like, well, I'll do this because it's easier. I just don't think I'd love it as much. Mm -hmm. So if you love it that much, if you're shadowing in an OR or sitting in a clinic or, you know, doing volunteer work in the emergency department and you think, yeah, this is it. Like I would rather be doing this than anything else right now. Then do it. It doesn't matter how hard it is. It'll be worth it. Hmm. Awesome. Susan, I am so inspired by you. I'm glad you came here. I feel Thank bad you. about the non-resident tuition. It happens. Life happens. I, I, you know, I can't think of a better, you're going to be a great doctor, but also I just love how you're serving our country in the military too. Thank you. And there are women out there that will thank you <laughs> because you're going to be their doctor one day. And I bet there's, uh, how many babies are named Susan after you? Have you, have you, have you figured that out yet? <laughs> I don't think there's any. Okay. I don't think there's any, at least not that I know of. For some reason, I just imagine there's some Nepalese woman. <laughs> And maybe some Polish woman out there and they're going <laughs> to be thankful to you. And yeah, it's just beautiful. Oh, just thank you so much. Cultures and backgrounds. So cool. All right. Well, Susan, the best of luck to you. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio online at thescoperadio.com.